All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on DailyFaceOff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 82, the Marty Straka edition of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli. Frank, uh, busy weekend, uh, lots happening in the uh, hockey world. So I guess let's get first to uh, the big news. Uh, Braden Point, uh, not only uh, crashes awkwardly into the boards he took the penalty shot but then he he left the game and uh they're saying he's out indefinitely uh this could hurt tampa because they're already out with kucherov but also could have a big impact for canada at the upcoming olympics yeah it could i mean we're waiting on some more information obviously indefinitely is not short term it's probably not week to week but i'd like to know sort of what we're talking about is it potential season ending are we talking you know, back sometime in the new year. So we're still waiting on information there, but you know, it's funny because I'm not willing to make any declaration about the damage that this does for Tampa for two reasons. One, they survived without Nikita Kucherov an entire regular season last year. And I know point is a different player and I know Kucherov is already out, but this team has a way. And not only that, the Atlantic division is separating itself as maybe the worst in the league. And I say that with all due respect to the Pacific. I mean, you look at the Atlantic and the bottom of it, not only has Montreal been terrible, they have the same points percentage as Ottawa and Detroit's fallen back to earth. Buffalo is two, seven and one in their last 10 after a hot start. And the Boston Bruins have just been sort of 
a little more than average. They've had some good nights and some bad nights. So that top three in the Atlantic has already generated some significant separation and Tampa's included in that mix. I mean, they've only played 17 games, but a 676 points percentage, that team's in a fine spot to, to go on a little bit of a roller coaster and won't have any issue getting into the playoffs. And it's pretty clear to them that that's all that matters. Now, hey, 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 the Pacific Division is way better than people expected. They got four yes. teams with 22 points. Now, granted, Seattle is what we expect, you know, probably actually worse than what we thought, and Vancouver can't get out of their own way. But uh, the Pacific Division, with the Ducks and the Flames, because everybody thought Vegas and Edmonton would be good, the Ducks and the, and the Flames make the Pacific Division actually quite competitive. Who would have thought at this point, I know we've talked lots of Ducks already on the pod the last few weeks, but... Seven fewer goals scored than the Edmonton Oilers at this point. I mean, oh. the fact that they're even in the conversation is amazing. Ah, well, uh, you had your story, Frank, uh, last week about uh, Troy Terry. And, you know, he's the, the surprise story and, you know, has put himself in the conversation to make the American Olympic team. John Gibson's playing great. What about Ryan Getzlaff? We probably even haven't talked enough about him. Nope. The, uh, you know, getting his thousands point and thousand games and, you know, he's scoring a ton of points. So, yeah, you're right. Like Dallas Aikens, you had it at the start of the year that if the Ducks would stay in the race, Dallas Aikens had to be considered for uh, coach of the year because not many people thought the Ducks would be good. And it's early because we, we've seen teams have good starts, but if they're well, able they're not to make falling teams, back like Detroit is, like Buffalo yeah. is, like some of these other teams that have sort of come back to earth. I mean, if, if it's going to happen, we haven't seen it yet for Anaheim. Yeah, no, not yet. Right. But we're still the, what are they a quarter of the way through the season? But yeah, hey. well, I mean, we're in wait and see mode for sure. Like I'm not really, I'm not ready to make a declaration on them yet either, but you know, we've talked about this before first three weeks or so of the season, you know, treat it with a grain of salt after a month, a month and a half, like you're dealing with probably what you're going to see from that team all season long. Yeah. And then the other one going back to Tampa is, you're right. They've been able to absorb a lot of injuries because they have a lot of depth. But now point like to me, the, we, we talk about the, the Tampa and an Olympic team thing. This might give Steven Stamkos even more of an opportunity to show he could lead Tampa, but also be a legit player for Canada because without Kucherov and point, you know, I know they still have Kalorn and they still have Palat and, and other good players, but no offense to those guys. They're not point or Kucherov. Yeah. I mean, look, Stamkos is still north of a point per game this year. Um, our Steve Greeley and his two Olympic projections on dailyfaceoff.com. And if you missed them, by the way, we did both a new team Canada and a new team USA last week. Chris Peters on the American side, Steve Greeley's had Steve Stamkos on his, on his roster, both iterations. So, um, you know, I don't want to say he's a lock, but he's pretty darn near close to it. What about the Calgary Flames? We talk about coach of the year. Daryl side of the Flames yeah. do, doing things we haven't seen in like decades. They've got seven shutouts. Markstrom has five. Ladar has two back-to-back uh, -back for him. And they've got seven shutouts in 20 games. And 15 of those games have come on the road. If you had said to me at some point this year, you put a gun to my head and you said, this person on November 22nd will be have more goals than Alex Ovechkin, I would have probably needed to list 600 players before I got to Andrew Mangiapane. Like, like, think about that. That's insane, the start that he's been off to. Yes, his shooting percentage. I've been saying it for weeks. We had Rachel Dowery on the DFO show 
I don't know, uh, in the first or second week of the season. And we were talking about how his shooting percentage and Lindholm that 35% were bound to come down. Well, Lindholm's come down to 14, 15%, the usual sort of standard range. Andrew Mangiapane, 15 goals on 48 shots, still shooting 31.3%. That'd be a respectable three-point shooting percentage, not NHL goals. It's insane what he's done this year. Well, I know. I think 14 of those goals have come on the road. You know, they've played a ton on the road. Uh, they're win- they got the best uh, goals uh, differential in the National Hockey League. Uh, goals for, goals against as a team. Uh, they don't give up very much and, and they score quite a bit. So, you know, the Flames, they look legit. And uh, I do have a question, though. Do you think in the regular season, if you have one team who's shutting out that many teams, is that good? for the overall enjoyment or excitement, do you think of the league, Frank? Does does too many shutouts or because it's only one team, it's not an issue? Well, I would say to answer your question, because it's one team, it's not really an issue. It's one team that chooses to play this way. And guess what? I can tell you that Daryl Sutter gives zero bleeps (laughs) about what's good for the game. He only cares about what's good for his team and what enables his team to win. That's all he cares about. And got to tell you, he's such an easy target. People like to rip on him and they like to rip the flames last year for bringing Daryl Sutter back to me. This was, you know, Brad tree living has been on the hunt for a good coach pretty much his entire tenure there. If you think about the guys that he's gone through, Jeff Ward, Bill Peters, um, you know, it's been a string of coaches that haven't worked out. And now it seems like they've finally found one in Daryl Sutter and they've had the success that they needed. And it was a pretty significant transition and jarring because, you know, the results that we saw at the end of last season weren't particularly good. Daryl Sutter, 15 and 15 to close out the year, a slight improvement over Jeff Ward, but Glenn Gullitson's the other guy. I forgot it was Gullitson, Peters, Jeff Ward before finally getting to Daryl Sutter and probably took some significant capital for Brad Tree Living to expend in order to get there that, you know, it's really paid off so far. Yeah, well, the biggest difference from last year to this year is, is Jacob Markstrom. And, you know, that can go back to some guys just struggled the first year. Well, he's it, played really well. well he, he's and, you played know what? really well, but I would argue that more important than Markstrom has been their style of play. Yeah, they got more guys buying in. But they got, like you mentioned, Mangiapane. Frank, the other guy that we probably have never talked about all year, Oliver Shillington has yep. been excellent. Like, I, I think he might be the biggest surprise of any defenseman in the NHL when you look at how many minutes he's playing, how well he's playing, how productive he's been, because most people thought he might be a third-pairing guy, right? Like, he was a little bit on a bubble the last few years, in and out of the lineup in Calgary. And, man, I've watched, like, I watched the Flames game yesterday. I've watched a few, and I'm just like, every time I look up, at Shillington. And I remember going back to the draft, I remember – the day before the draft, Craig Button, um, who's obviously, you know, a former co-worker of yours, he, he, he mentioned on the Friday before the draft, he goes, you know what? I think I was too harsh on Shillington. I've had him rated too low. I should have had him higher. He said that the day before the draft. Now, many years later, you know, he's looking like he was right. He was, you know, calling himself out because Shillington, while it's taken maybe longer than people thought, mm-hmm. he's turned into a really good defenseman. 
So for someone that hasn't seen the flames as much as you have, why is he only, he's still under 17 minutes a night? Well, and, and that's fair for the amount, but to me, I look at where they're playing him in the right he, situation. That's what I was going to say. Is he being sheltered? Um, I was looking, well, I'm waiting for puck IQ, puck IQ.com usually comes out here, uh, right around this time. And they have, they break down exactly who you're playing against, right? Like top line guys, second line guys, fourth line guys. And, and I, and I really enjoy that site and they kind of wait till they gather about 20 games and then they put it out. Um, and I think they have, uh, a new server or something they're waiting on. But when I, I was watching Shillington's game, now the one concern with him, Frank, is he's still maybe not the the prototype Daryl Sutter defender because he he will be a little bit of a riverboat gambler. And so that to me, I think is why. But the minute he pl- the the minutes he's playing, especially at five on five, I've been impressed. Like he's just making way more plays. Like even if he's only your number five defenseman, I think we look at Tampa Bay when your number five defenseman can be that good. Mm -hmm. It makes a world of difference for your team. You know, who's been way better too. That's been Nikita Zadorov. You got to the first (laughs) couple games of the year and he was not very good. Daryl Sutter sat him out for five, six games and then came back. And since he's been, not just more productive, but he's been way more consistent. And when you you do some digging behind the scenes, like that's something that Daryl Sutter worked very closely with Nikita Zadorov, you know, may have spent more time with him when he was out of the lineup than in the lineup. He cares. He wants his players to get better. And you see an impact like this, a tangible one, even though it's only a few games, that I think really goes a long way. Again, if you can have a really consistent guy playing third pair minutes, um, you know, who's sort of been all over the place in his career and get him on track, uh, you know, he might be making a little bit more than he should given the role that he's playing. But I think that's a real positive trend in development for Calgary. Well, you know, it's funny about Daryl Sutter. See, I, Daryl Sutter, to me, when I go back to I like my first year covering the NHL, Frank, um, back when coaches used to sit in the uh, in the arena sometimes in the stands uh, watching the other team practice. So I'm sitting there, and Daryl Sutter comes and sits right beside me. Doesn't know who I am, and he just starts talking hockey. And I was like, oh my god, like this guy, like he loved talking hockey. I don't think mm-hmm. it's really changed. Like Daryl's, you know, he's very direct. I talk to players who played from in LA when they won, and you know, at times, sure, he he can get on them when they're a veteran team. But the players, they always said the thing about Daryl was you knew he truly cared about you. Like he truly cared about you for, so he probably looks at Zadorov and I don't know, I'm going to guess what their conversation is, Frank, but he basically probably tells him your weight are better than you're playing. So you have two choices. You can play that way or you're not going to play. And then I think most players eventually, the thing they always say is I want honesty. Tell me exactly what role you need me to play. And some guys might not like it originally but then if the coach rewards them and says okay Zadorov, here's your role put you in a box that's what you're going to do you're going to kill penalties we're going to have any defensive zone starts and regardless of the time of the game if you put him out there for that that gives him confidence to accept his role and i think mm-hmm. that's what sutter's done i i've my dealings with him aren't extensive but he was a teammate for a day on a trade center and having daryl sutter you know, come in and, and get a beer with him the night before trade center and, and, um, and really spend time with him. He has this sort of reputation as someone that has a gruff exterior, uh, maybe a little bit of a hard ass. And I can tell you what, he is a genuine guy that cares that has a really soft spot for people that do the work. And Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing that, you know, 
stood out to me. Just, you know, I was kind of curious, like, you know, what's it going to be like working alongside him? Is he going to be tough to deal with? How, you know, how's he going to be? And he kind of hung out in the back of the studio all day. Again, didn't really know him before he popped in. And at the end of the, the day, he just came up to me, shook my hand. He just said, wow. He said like, so impressed all the different things that you do. Like he noticed everything that happened throughout the day how attentive you are, how many different, you know, things you touch over the course of a show. And, you know, just so impressed with the talent that you have. And I was like, Oh my God, like getting a a compliment like that from, from someone that's just a bystander that steps into your world one day. uh, It was pretty cool just to see, you know, how, how in tune he was with everything going on. Yeah. And uh, the other thing, Frank, just talk cows with them sometime, buddy. I know uh, that's, you want a nice, <laughs> well, I, I, see, I, I can't, uh, that, I, that's not in my repertoire. So, uh, work now last week, Frank, at this time, both of us were like, Oh yeah, you know what? Too early to count out the Islanders. Well, now they come home, they play two games at home. They lose both of them. That's and- I was going to say, that's not how I remember that conversation. I remember saying that myself and you were like, oh, well, you got three weeks, Islanders. Yeah, well, that's they just, true. They I just sh- chewed up two important two, they games. They just chewed up one of them. Weeks. You're right. Yeah. Like they did. I'm surprised. Like I just, I said, I'm not ready to write them off, but I'll be concerned in three weeks. And I thought they'd come home and I was surprised at the at the effort that they gave at home it wasn't you know now losing Polak obviously hurts him as well in that time span but something just seems off when i watch their games this weekend they don't they don't seem like the islanders of old or at least i shouldn't say of old of the last few years like they're just they're missing that ingredient they're really struggling to score right now too well i mean so much of it is is missing Pulak. i mean you had Pulak and Pelic and and to break to have to break first off they broke that pair up first and then Pulak goes down that's put that team in a really difficult spot um and the other part is they haven't really had the scoring there's been no balance you've had Brock Nelson uh Oliver Wallstrom's been really cold and other than that like where are you getting your goals from Kyle Palmieri one goal in 15 games like so since the trade, Kyle Palmieri has a grand total of three goals in a New York Islanders uniform in 32 games. Nah. Not going to cut it. Like this is a guy that was brought in to score 20-25 every year and is now being paid closer to it on a new four-year deal. Uh, like where are the goals coming from? They got one player in double digits and points. One. Yeah, that's Brock Nelson. And, and I was going to say, it's not Matthew Barzell. Now, he's only got eight points in 15 games. Now, I know people will talk about the system the Islanders play. Well, we just finished talking about Daryl Sutter and their attention to defense, and they're scoring tons of goals, right? Yeah. Like, Mangiapane has more goals than anybody has points on the New York Islanders. Like, now, it'd Matthew- be a fascinating, I was going to say, with Barzell, it'd be a fascinating debate and conversation if someone could take and reconstruct what his numbers would look like if he played you know, in a different, on a different team, what, how many, how many points do you think Matthew Barzell ends up sacrificing over the course of the last three, four years? That's a good question. It's a good question. And but how much, how much does that ultimately take out of his pocket <laughs> at the end of the day? It's going to be a lot, but you know, what's funny when you, when you talk to players as they got older, they're like, you know what? Um, sacrificing uh, offense by playing better defense. They're like, well, it actually didn't work. When I played better defense, I got more offensive chances because I had the puck more. So it's, it's kind of a chicken, the egg thing. I wonder like in Barzell, he's good. Yeah. I know his 85 point season or was maybe the 85 point season. Frank, was that an outlier? 
I don't know. I, I would have, I mean, I, again, I'd have to reconstruct it a little bit. And it's also hard to say because two of his other years are somewhat misleading in that two shorter, shorter campaigns, 60 yeah. and 68 and 45 and 55 there. That's much closer to the 85 than the 62 and 82. So I, I'd like to see a full run at 82 games, you know, recently for Barzell, but this year has not been pretty. And his, his minutes are also way down as a result. Yeah, he's only playing 17 and a half minutes per game. But and but no one on the Islanders, like they play their fourth line maybe more than anyone else for sure. So the, when do you sound the alarm or, or are you right now? Oh, I, I am sounding the alarm, Frank. If we if we had an alarm sound effect, I would be sounding it right now because I think Tyler, get to work. You, you, you look at historically teams that are and I know they're only six points back if you go by points percentage uh, on Columbus right but they're 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 in last so they would have to pass you know because if you include the wild card position you got boston and columbus are currently holding down the two wild card spots at, at, and they're playing 600 hockey new york's yeah, i was gonna say the flyers hockey. are eight five and three and on the outside looking in at this point yeah so it's it's not just that they're out of it they got to pass new jersey they got to pass philly they got to pass columbus they're gonna have to pass boston Pittsburgh. right yeah. So there's lots of teams, man, and they you wait too long. Like I know the St. Louis Blues did it. Everybody remembers their miracle, but let's be real here. That's a you know, that's like a one-time thing. That just does not happen very often. So are the Rangers the best team in New York? Today, yeah. I like the Rangers. That, but that I'm not I'm not saying today. I'm saying oh. like overall. Of course the Rangers are the better team today. I think they Will are the Islanders figure it out. They, they got the, you look at the offensive talent that the Rangers have and uh, you know, Adam Fox in the back end, you got the Breadman and Panarin, you got Zabanajad. They got a lot, like they got a lot of offense. I really like Shesterkin as a goaltender. Um, I think Lindgren and, and what a goal yesterday for him um, is a guy who's maybe underrated a little bit for how solid of a defensive is. Cause it's tough sometimes to play with a guy like Adam Fox, right? Like you've, you've got to understand that a lot of times you might be the only guy there and that's okay. It works out really well. They're, they're a really solid pairing kind of reminds me of Huddy and coffee way back, you know, years ago where you've got a pure offensive guy and the other guys sound defensively. And that's what he focuses on, but I, I like their team a lot. And I still think that, you know, they, we still haven't seen what Lafreniere and Capocacco are, are capable of. It might not be for another year or two. I was going to say, think will those we? Two are going to break out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like that was my question. Will we? Will I we think see you will, Frank. Like out. I'm. When you, when you look at sometimes, I still think we we, we get. Like, look at a guy like Yesapoliarvi. Now, a number four pick to a number two or number three, depending on the year, it can be you know it can change a lot. You know, top picks. Some of them don't pan out. Yakupov, Galchenyuk, I get it. But too often, the history of teenagers, like Capocacco shouldn't have been in the NHL at 18. Like, I think you you kind of neuter the guy, and now he's trying to play catch-up, but it's a lot longer because he doesn't have much offensive confidence. And those guys thrive on that. And so when you get it back, like a Pugliarvi, he had to go to Finland to get it back, and he came back to the NHL, and he was the player that a lot of people thought he could be when he was drafted. And, like, I argued the minute they kept Kako, even Lafreniere last year, I said, you know what? Like Jack Hughes' first year in New Jersey was a waste of time being in the NHL. And I think teams, they want to have those high picks, Frank. Is it a waste of time though? See, I, I'd wonder about that. Like what would he accomplish playing junior hockey again? 
Oh, you could you could focus him to be better defensively. Put him on the penalty kill because a lot of these guys don't necessarily kill penalties in junior. They they're all power play. But do you want your number one overall pick killing penalties and just increases your chances to get hurt? Yeah, but you look at the teams who look look at guys who are doing it right. Like now, it doesn't have to be your main penalty killer, but look at Leon Drysaddle. Number one, they came to the NHL too early. They sent him back, and he's a late birthday. For 37 games. He didn't look like an NHL player at all for 37 games because he wasn't ready. Then he goes back to junior, wins a Memorial Cup, comes back 50 points. And now he's just gotten better. He's killing penalties. He's on the three on five. He leads the NHL in goals and in points. Like, I, And he's a big man. Like, I look at Capo, Caco, and, and Lafrenia, and I would say this to Rangers fans. Be patient. I really think, Frank, like, there's such a small percentage of guys who can be elite before 21. And that even includes a lot of high picks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so while we're on the Rangers, just because I was thinking about it, is Artemi Panarin the best free agent signing of all time? I I know there's a lot of weight to that question, but I honestly think that he's in the conversation. Like how many pure free agent signings? We always say what a bust July 1 is. Artemi Panarin, since joining the Rangers, 172 points in 129 games. He's nearly an assist per game, 119 and 129 games played more than 20 minutes a night, six game winning goals. I don't like, to me, I'm like, this guy is ridiculous. Yeah. I I like him a lot. The two guys, when I think of free agency that works, Sedano Chara to the Boston Bruins, right? Because he came a pillar on their blue line. They won a cup five years later. And of course, Marion Hosa in Chicago. Right now, they had a good team, but Hosa was a key player for them. Those are the two guys that you paid big money for and they panned out for your team and you won Stanley Cups. I mean, the only difference is big money. I guess it's relative. Um, It was a pretty small cap hit. Five, two, seven, five for Hosa. And I know it was a back diving deal is 63 million bucks. But Panarin, like, how often are we sitting here saying at 11-6, that guy's worth every penny? Yeah. Not not often. No, fair. In general. And then to do it as a pure free agent signing, like, I don't know. I look at, and, and I guess this year he's changing the story, but, like, that would have been the same summer, I believe, that Bobrovsky was going to Florida. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Again, that, that ends up being a disaster. Yeah, well. Disaster contract for now. You mentioned 11 mil, Frank. When you look, and, and the thing is, the Rangers needed, like they needed that diehard, legit offensive star. Did the Maple Leafs, like I always question the Tavares signing because they had Marner and Matthews. And Wait a second, though. Did they? Like, that's what did I'm they saying. need that player, though? No, that's what I'm saying. They were, they were in the middle of their rebuild. Yeah, I don't, that's what I'm saying. I don't, like, good player. But John Tavares, 11 mil, they already had Matthews and Marner. And I honestly think the Tavares sign is what forced them to have to pay those other two guys more. Right. Well, I mean, it is um, because all of a sudden they're looking around going, well, why aren't we making what he's making? We're playing better than him uh, or producing more. Tavares has been really good this year, though. Oh, no, I like it. That's what I'm saying. But it's funny how one guy's 11 mil and the perception and what he's added to that team in New York, because New York just didn't have him. Now, Zibanejad, of course, has has emerged here as, as more of a goal scorer and, and, a, and a pretty decent player the last few seasons. But the Rangers had nobody 
who was like a legit offensive star when they signed Panarin. So it, mm. it filled a major void. And, you know, the, obviously they got a little bit lucky with, you know, the Fox situation because he just said, hey, I'm not signing in Calgary, so I'll wait and become a free agent. So they got him for pennies on the dollar <laughs> to get a but Norris the Panarin thing's fascinating because you're looking at it, you're going, okay, since we're in our rebuild, we know that the first two or maybe three years of this seven-year deal, like we might as well be throwing the money out the window. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. Well, and they were willing to do it. They're like, this is the guy that we need to get where we're going. I don't know. No, I like it's, the Rangers. It's a good point. It's and good it's, it's a, it's an interesting point. I mean, I think with Tavares, I think everyone just looks at it and says they just didn't need him. Yeah. He was an unnecessary accessory. Yeah. The the Leafs after a slow start, Frank, have really turned it around in their last 10. They're eight and two. Uh, They're suddenly now two points back of Florida. Um, What do you you make of the Leafs turnaround and Jack Campbell's uh, contract? What do you think Jack Campbell, like, is he going to be looking at Markstrom like money? What do you think he gets? I, I, I really, I don't know how to answer that question because everyone's sort of been waiting on this, this question with Jack Campbell of when, when are the wheels going to fall off? Like, doesn't it, it feels like they're, you're waiting for that other shoe to drop. And I don't like everyone's waiting for it. I just don't know that it's going to be coming. No, it doesn't look like it. I mean, nine forty four this year, take the last two years, 38 games played nearly a half season closing in on what would be a full year's worth of starts with the Leafs, and you're looking at 38 games played, 931 save percentage. The other part with the Campbell discussion is the players and team clearly loves him. The fan base loves him. You, you hear every time he makes a big save, soup. Um, like it's he's clearly a fan favorite. At what point do you bite the bullet and and rip off the Band-Aid and sign him to that? longer term contract extension, or at least give them a few years. Or can you gamble and say, okay, maybe these numbers come down a bit and we might have to pay more in the end. I think the problem for the Leafs is they can't really afford to pay more in the end. Yeah. What's interesting about the Leafs and you, like they're relying more on Jack Campbell. Like they've become, you look, they don't have any of their guys, any of their big gunners or, or even pointy game players yet. Matthews has got 15 and 17. Marner's got 17. And yeah, but and they 20. started so slow that they've been yeah. closer to that. The last handful of games, eight games. Yeah. But, but the point is they're still like, you know, they, they were always known as this big, you know, running gun and they had the, the big four offense and they're still leading them, of course, offensively. I think there was a stretch where those four guys scored, I think, 15 or 16 straight goals for mm-hmm. the uh, for the Maple Leafs. But they, they seem to be a team that's that's better defensively than they have been in the past. That was their always kind of the knock on the uh, the Maple Leafs. Do you think their blue line like is good enough or do they have to add come playoff time, when you just look at the foundation of the teams that went deep in the playoffs the last few years and how their defense was built. I personally don't think they have enough, but I've felt that way the whole time. Um, Jake Muzzin has really kind of taken a step backwards this year. Um, Just the holes being a healthy scratch. Yeah. Six times in 19 games. I think it's been for Justin Hall. He made it on our, Steve Greeley change of scenery list on dailyfaceoff.com that came out on Friday. Um, I mean, yeah, you're getting more from Sandine, which is what you needed. You're, you know, Liljegren has played a bit more as well, but 
they have this sort of, well, they, they, they don't really have the top flight top end defenseman and, and their middle of it is, is sort of like, I don't know the proper term for it. Mushy. Like there's a soft, uh, <laughs> there's a soft middle to, to the Leafs defense that it's like, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is though. Cause those guys are so hard to find. Nah. Well, and what's interesting about hole is he's still averaging over 20 minutes a night in the games he plays, Frank. He's got the third most minutes on the team. It's a unique situation for like, clearly they must think, you know, he's, he's just not playing up to his capabilities, but they still play him a lot. And, and that to me shows like, here's a well, guy he was that you sick take out. too for a bit. He yeah, was he was sick. Yeah. And um, he missed but that there was one three game games where right. he was healthy scratch though. Like, flat yeah, out. right. And um, I don't know what the answer is there. This is a guy that seemed to be of good value at 2 million. Now, all of a sudden, if he's in and out of your lineup at 2 million on a team like the Leafs, you can't afford to keep him. But he's playing 20 minutes a night, right? So even, even if you maybe don't like the 20 minutes, if you pay a guy 2 mil and he plays 20 minutes a night, that's actually pretty good value. Yeah. For it, yeah. Yeah. Like it's kind of odd. Like, you what know, what happens with Morazic? Oh, they is got a big, is a big you question trade mark. him. If, if you're signing Jack Campbell, right? Like not this year, but obviously you'll have to trade him in the off season. You can't have, you can't have him as a backup. It's too expensive. Right. Well, the, yeah, the problem is the term there. And then I will say this about the Leafs. You mentioned uh, a little bit better defensively. One big reason for that is that Kampf, Engvall, Kashe line has been unreal. Rachel Dory, I'd love to have her dive into the numbers for us on the DFO show because that line has done exactly what you you'd ask of them. So many starts in the defensive end. I think they're getting something like 80 some percent of their starts in there. Um, they're all making the perfect amount of money for a, an ideal third line. Each of them at a million two five or a million five, uh, just really good value. They've all played their role to perfection. Uh, and Kashe was a bit of a gamble coming back uh, after a few years injured, not sure what you're going to get. And he's dug in and, and done and played the role. Um, they just, to your point, I was, I saw them up close and personal against the Preds last week. And it was a one goal game, but it was scoreless or a one goal game for, I'd say 55 minutes of it. And they looked comfortable being in that spot. They weren't, there was no panic. And I thought that was a good sign. Uh, speaking of the Preds, Frank, um, with the uh, Braden Point injury and Matt Duchesne natural hat trick, Duchesne's been on the Olympic team before. I'm just saying, I think he's hovering around there. I wouldn't be shocked because we know that, that when these teams are built, they like to have a, a certain amount of experience on the team. And I just, when you go back to how many guys are still around with the legit shot from the 2014 Olympic team, there's not many. And I think Matt Duchesne is, he's playing like a guy who really wants to earn a spot on that roster. I'm not saying it's a for sure, but man, if point can't play, that just opens up because everybody, we all had point as a lock on the team, no question. So that opens up a spot and man, if Duchesne keeps rolling, I'm just saying, I think he's a guy that, that, that they might look at. Would you like to place a wager? Hmm. Well, we'll get Tyler Ramchuk on here and uh, maybe we can talk some, uh, some odds. Cause if there's a guy who knows the uh, odds, he would know it. Yeah. Like what would be the line on Matt Duchesne right now? Could I, I could probably oh. get like plus two fifty or something. Oh, I, I think you're getting at least plus two fifty on that. Like you're right. He is top 10 in goals. And I, I know would the, give you three to one odds. I don't. I, I, okay. I'll hmm. take that 20 bucks. So what's in it for me? <laughs> 
Well, you can get 20 bucks. You get 20 bucks. All right. <laughs> I'm trying to see. I know there was a, there was a few places around that you could, uh, you could put money on whether or not guys would make their respective Olympic teams, but I can't find it in time. Uh, anyways, let's jump into fill in the blank. Uh, why not presented by our friends over at DoorDash, where you can use the promo code rundown DD, get 25% off your first order and no delivery fees. Um, this one actually ties in nicely. I'm looking at the top 10 in goals right now. Goes Dry Settle, Ovi, Mangiapani, Kreider, Duchesne, Connor, McDavid. That's Kyle Connor, then Connor McDavid. Uh, Troy like Terry, there. <laughs> Alex Debrinkat, <laughs> and then Pierre Luc Dubois. Which one of those names surprises you the most? Like if I told you at the start of the year, rattle off those names, which one would you be like, ah, that one seems a little far fetched? Jason? Oh, wow. I'll go Troy Terry. Litter. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go Troy Terry. He, uh, he had 20 points last year. Yeah. Guy's got he's already got twelve goals. Yeah, he he would be my surprise for sure to be a top ten goal goal scorer, and he's also top five in points. Yeah, uh, it's without a doubt Andrew Mangiapane. I mean, there there's a whole like it's a good question because you could have also said Chris Luc Dubois or Kreider. Kreider is played his way. Like, yeah, I mean it's it's insane to think about. Uh, but Mangiapane his previous career high is eighteen. And that was last year in, in the 56 uh, game campaign. He's already got 15 in 19 games. That's well, the best question would be how many of those guys end the season in the top? 10? That's where I thought you were heading when you were, when you were going after it. Yep. That will probably would have been better. Anyways, let's stick with the flames. Next week. And, yeah. Next week, a, a double whammy on this fill in the blank. The flames will finish the year blank in the Pacific and Jacob Markstrom will end the year with blank shutouts. Frank? The Flames will finish the year in second place in the Pacific. I think it's going to be Edmonton, Calgary, Vegas. And Jacob Markstrom finishes with 13 shutouts. 13? So he'll he'll just miss the, the single season record? Yeah, the expansion era record is 15 by Tony Esposito in 69-70. Oh, uh, I will agree with Frank. The Flames finished second. And uh, Markstrom, I have him finishing with uh, 10 shutouts. I think he's off to a red-hot start, but uh, he'll slow down a bit. in the shutout department, I think his overall save percentage and stuff will be similar, but his shutouts will come down. So I thought I was going out on a limb there by saying that Calgary was going to finish second. You also have them ahead of Vegas. Yeah. I I like their, like, I like Calgary a lot. I, I, um, I underestimated them at the start of the season. No question, but uh, I've watched them closely and they're not winning with kind of smoke and mirrors. It's not like Markstrom is having to make, you know, 35 save games every night and they're giving up quality chance after quality chance. Like they're playing. You're making my argument as to why he's going to get the 13. No, it's true. It's true. I just think even, you know what, there's been a few where, you know what, he had the one shadow where they had three goalposts, right? So sometimes you just get a little bit lucky. So maybe that luck changes and, you know, he's allowing one goal instead of none. Uh, our friends over at PointsBet have uh, updated Pacific Division odds. The Oilers are minus 110 to, to win that division. Then after that, it goes Vegas at plus 300, Calgary at plus 350, then all the way down to Anaheim at 25. Calgary's plus 350? It's an interesting like, spot. I don't think anybody's going to run away with the Pacific. That might be, jeez, uh, I'm going to have to throw 20 on that today. Got uh, I'll have off. some. I'll have another question. 20 everywhere. I'll have another question about PointsBet I don't throw the brown bills around too often. <laughs> Hey, we don't have that problem here in the U.S. All of our money's green. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, sticking in the Pacific, if you sort by points percentage, the teams in California are ranked Anaheim, Los Angeles, then San Jose. The question is, blank is the best team in California, Frank? Now or at the end of the year? End of the year. Hmm. I... I feel like unlike Calgary, there is a little smoke and mirrors to Anaheim. I, I think there's going to be a bit of a reckoning there I, and not reckoning is the right word. Maybe a, an adjustment to the mean, a regression. And I think the LA Kings are going to end up in a higher spot than Anaheim. Cause I think when it does crash in Anaheim, it's going to crash hard. Yeah. Well, the, the Kings, you know, they, they played great without Dowdy and Walker, and now they've come back down to earth here the last few games. And suddenly, like Kopitar, nobody can score. You got Kempe and Lemieux scoring, I think, uh, like six of their last eight goals. So, yeah, but uh, that'll change with Kopitar at yes. some point, wouldn't yeah, it? And, Dowdy and, and coming Dowdy's back. coming back sooner yeah. rather than later. So I think the uh, – I'm with Frank. I think the uh, LA Kings uh, will squeak it out, but I'm – you know, I, at the start, I didn't have any of those teams making the playoffs, so I'll still continue that uh, L.A. finishes with the, the the best points, I guess, at the end of the season, but I don't think any of them make the playoffs. All right, I got a little betting question courtesy of our friends over at PointsBet. If you rank the Central by points percentage right now, it goes Winnipeg, Minnesota, Colorado, St. Louis. The odds board right now on PointsBet, you got Colorado still the favorite at minus 110, Minnesota plus 325, St. Louis plus 600, Winnipeg plus 650. If I gave you a free $20 bet, you'd be placing it on blank. Gregor? Well, I know who Frank's taking it. Yeah, I was like, I say, could you don't even need to ask steaming. me. Yeah. He's steaming right now. But it's, By the way, they were plus 800. Now they're down yeah. to plus 650. Because you shifted changing. the line so hard. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, I don't understand, like, well, good that they can be plus 650. When they're leading, when they're currently, uh, you know, they, they're leading in points percentage right now. That's I can see why Colorado though is still. Yes. The, yeah. The Colorado's coming. Yeah. Um, but you know what? So um, I guess if I just want to win, not one gives me the best odds. I'll still take Colorado. I think when it's all said and done, the Avs still finish first in that division. But it was, the question was, what would you do with $20? Well, then 20 bucks, I'll take the Jets because it gives me like 20 bucks. Like I can go plus 650 all day long. Yeah. And Winnipeg, I think, probably, I thought they'd finish second. So, yeah, I would take for 20 bucks. It's a, it's a no brainer, Frank. Where was Minnesota, Tyler? Minnesota on that list was uh, plus 325 second. I might throw 20 bucks on Minnesota too. Mm, nice little hedge for all that Jets action you got. I like it. Yeah. I mean, why not? They like they've been as good as anyone. The last you go back the last calendar year, they're right up there in terms of the overall league, not just the division. No. There you go. That's gonna do it for another round of fill in the blank brought to you by DoorDash. If the question is, what are you having for dinner? Fill in that blank with DoorDash. Huh? See a little tie in there. All right, I'll step out. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Oh, I thought that was actually an added question. Um, speaking of essential, Frank, um, I'm, I, I, people always like to say, oh, look at this guy's in a free agent year, but they, they, never, they never mention the guys who are free agents who don't have good years, and it's pretty much even. But there's a guy this year who's off to a great start when there's been, and they've needed him to be off to a great start because their big guns aren't scoring, is Nazem Kadri, who's averaging over a point a game early on the season. You 
What do you make of Kadri? And do you think Nazem Kadri, because of his playoff suspension history, that there's no contract extension until they see him in the postseason? I would agree with that. I mean, their cap situation is so precarious that they need to, they, they can't afford to squander dollars. Like they've got so much money locked up in their other guys for a bit that they, and they're going to need to resign McKinnon at some point, probably this upcoming summer, you have to use every available data point and evaluation point as you can with Kadri, I would think, because if you get to that same spot again and he makes that same mistake for the third, fourth time, whatever it is, there's no way you can bring him back. Yeah. Ah, fair point. Like, and I wonder how much it costs them too, right? Like just in salary for other teams. A lot. A yeah, lot. He's, he's a guy to watch. And you look at Colorado there. What a value contract that is though. Oh. I would argue that is one of the real big, and I know that he did it again in the playoffs, but a, a pretty big bogey for, for the Leafs. That Kerfoot deal for Kadri. Well, what? when you look at Toronto's makeup, 100%, I would agree wholeheartedly. You would have hoped to say, hey, man. But you know what? If he keeps doing it in the playoffs, then you could argue that maybe they're right. We'll have to see. But, yeah, this is he's got to be on his best behavior. He's got to find a – like, just learn how to play and contain yourself at key moments. Like, he just has to do it. Like, it seems were you so surprised? Simple. Were you surprised to see Jared Bednar get the extension? Not really. Like, I think they get they got a good team. Like, you look at Colorado the, in the postseason now, like, they've had, like, losing to Eric Johnson crushed them last year. And the year before in the bubble, they had, what did they have? Like, they lost their starting two goaltenders. Like, they've just, they've had some really bad luck at the most important time of the year, two years in a row. But, like, Eric Johnson on that defense, Frank, because I wrote the articles, I crunched all the numbers, their defense was, like, puny compared to the other teams. And I really think that matters in the playoffs. Like, big guys who can – and Eric Johnson, six – what is he, six four, two hundred 200-plus. He plays a lot of minutes. He's really skilled. Like, when you look at Tampa Bay's defense and, and even Montreal's last year and, and all the, the Islanders, you know, you're averaging guys at, like, 215 – uh, pounds. They're all six foot two to six foot three. And Colorado just had way too many small guys. And I don't really blame they the coach for smaller. that. They got smaller. Yeah. Well, I, hey, Frank, that's they traded team. Ryan Graves. Yeah. Well, my concern with Colorado is that if Sam Gerrard's in your top four, you're never winning the playoffs. You're not going deep enough in the playoffs with him in your top four. You just can't defend in the playoffs at that size. Like you're, you're five ten, and then he, and then you throw in that he plays with a souvenir stick. Like the thing's the shortest twig in the league. Like you just you, you can't you, defend you, as you much hate, space. Yeah, you hate Sam Gerrard. What did he well, do? I don't to hate you? him. I just what I, did he's he a do good to player. You? But it, it, when I look at Sam Gerrard, Frank, he's the poster boy of where people will look at analytics and you see all these good numbers. I'm like, okay, but then look at what happens when he has to defend in the playoffs. It's a very different game. How different would it have looked if, I don't know, if they had Eric Johnson and a little well, more size? It would, it would be a big difference, no question. But I still don't believe, but that doesn't change. So that, it, does that mean that we have improperly evaluated Sam Gerrard based on who he's playing with? Uh, a little bit, sure. But I also just think that... Sam, like Sam Gerrard can play on my team any day of the week, so... But on in which pairing? He can play on my team too, Frank, but I, he would be in my third pair if I want no, to be a cup-winning team. He's on my team. second pair. 
Yeah. See, I just, I don't think you can win with him and your, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think you can win with him and your really disappointing story last week too, with Bo and Byram and the concussions. I hate, I hate to see that. And I hate to see at this point in 2021 concussions still being mismanaged. Yeah. How's that possible? How's that possible that the player walks home, you know, gets home and gets to his apartment and his mom sees him and says, I knew looking at him that he just wasn't right. Like how is, how does that escape a medical and training staff that they're literally paid to do that for a living? Fair question. It's a totally fair question. Nah, and it's hopefully they learn from it. That's all I can say. And the thing about Bowen Byron, Frank, I go back to him when he was 17 and I watched him because um, uh, my nephew was playing in Prince Albert and PA and Vancouver were in a seven game battle in the Western League final. And mm-hmm. Bowen Byron was 17 and he was playing like 30 minutes a night and he was he was physical. He's jarring. Like he was chirping at guys. I was like, this elite, guy is going to be a elite. player. Like yeah. I loved him. Like I absolutely watched him. I was like, whoever drafts him, like I was like, this guy's going to be great. And if concussions derail his career, it'll suck. Because as good as Kale McCarr is, I think Bowen Byron was training that those two would have been just absolute pillars. And hopefully they still can be. I think they but, will be. And you saw um, it hope- took a while to get to get him back, but he, he yeah. when when he did get back, he was he got back up to that level. Oh no, year. and I just you you worry like now hopefully he's like Oh, I don't want to say like, remember Sidney Crosby, he had to deal with it for a few years. And since then he's been great. And so yep. I, I always like to look at the positive. There is Maybe, hope, yeah. There's lots of hope for that. Yeah. That Byram had it, but he's going to be able to, uh, to overcome it. Cause he is legit man. And I love him as a player, like just everything about his game. I think Colorado, you have those two guys on their back end for a long time that they're going to remain competitive. Just, you just want to take uh, Sam Gerrard and, Blast him to the moon. Hey, you know what, Frank? Here's the thing, though. Lots of teams would play Sam Gerrard in their top four, but not a team who seriously competes for the Cup. So he'll have trade value. He'll have lots of trade value. He's a good player. He's just not – he wouldn't be on my top four defense in the playoffs. If he's on my third pair, okay, but he's not in my top four. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Quickly, we didn't talk about it, but – the Carolina Hurricanes, Frank, are 14 and 2. They're in San Jose tonight to take on the Sharks. How can Rod we go a whole pod without talking about the best team in the league? Yeah, I know. That's why I had to get him in. Like they're man, they are rolling right now. So like, are they that good in your eyes? Yes. I I mean, I've loved their team for years. And the crazy part about the Canes is that they went out and changed out a quarter of it this summer. Yes. And are now even better. Yeah, I did make a prediction early on, and I did say this, that I thought Tony D'Angelo would be the comeback player of the year. And I got a lot of flack for that. But is he a point per game or is he better than that? I haven't gotten the weekend update, but pretty, pretty good. Oh, 15 points in 16 games for one sheet per year. Yeah. I, you know what, Frank, we didn't get into it last week and I wanted to, but I looked at the game where Rod Brindamore coaches on like a lot of different coaches. So Jacob Slavin and Ethan Bear is kind of like his considered his top pair. So they played uh, a game against the St. Louis Blues and Rod Brindamore was so adamant that he wanted them out against the Bucinavich line that Ethan Bear and Slavin ended up that game. Um, you had Brady Shea played 21 minutes of five on five. Ethan Bear only played 12 and Slavin played 14. 
even though they're their top pair, because he made sure that most of their minutes, like Slavin, I think, and, and Bear played like 85% of their minutes, which is pretty high in a game against that top line. And it was fascinating to me, like Rod Brindamore has so much confidence in other guys that certain games, his top pair defense, because he wants a certain matchup, he'll sacrifice, he'll play Brady Shea more to ensure that he gets those guys out there. Like you just don't see that. Like a lot of coaches don't want that. They won the game. Right. And so I look at Rod Brindamore and he like he thinks maybe different than other coaches. And well, that's not standard to do. Mm-hmm. I, it's something I've been watching and and he's he's big so on. Are it. you and applauding or no? No, I am applauding it because he's saying, you know what? I, I obviously he has the depth to do it. He can say, you know what? Tonight, D'Angelo and Shea and other guys, you're going to play more than Slavin and Bear five on five. Right. And ended up their total minutes in the game were actually quite low for those two. Like Ethan Bear playing 12 minutes of five on five for that team. Right. And he has him and Slavin have a ton of defensive zone starts, like way higher than anybody else. Yet against the Blues, a very good team, he decided in his game plan, this is what I'm going to do. It's unorthodox. But it worked. And I and I like watching different things where coaches, because it doesn't matter. Some guys like this is my top pair. Come hell or high water, I'm playing them all the time. Right. And and he wanted a specific matchup and he went after it. And I think it also shows how much faith he has in his other pairs that mm-hmm. he can do that. And it's something fascinating for me to watch as this season goes along is how Brindamore from game to game alters things, you know, that he feels gives his team the best chance to win. Interesting. I'll have to keep an eye on that. Freddie Anderson has been insane. Just love the way this Hurricanes salary cap sets up as well. I mean, it says a lot about a team that the worst contract you have is Brady Shea, two more years at 525. Like, that's, that's, it's nothing. No, I don't you even got know. Three more years of, and I, I was going to say, it's not even really that much of a black mark. No. Jacob Slavin, three more years at 53. Oh, man. That's like, that's going to soon surpass whenever the McKinnon deal is up as the best contract in the league. Oh, what about Brett Pesci? Yeah, $4 two more years dollars. at four. Uh, it's, it's insane. They're, yeah. They are so they've got some decisions to make with Vincent Trocheck and Nino Niederreiter this year. But other than that, like, whew, they're in a good spot. I wonder what Cocky Niemi's next contract is. It half of what he's getting paid this year? Uh, probably, maybe even yeah. a little two five. Like it's. I, I think. I think the. I was told the Canadians didn't want to go a dollar past two point one. <laughs> Well, then uh, surprising they didn't match 6.1. <laughs> well, they would have just been better off probably making the trade. Oh, 100% in hindsight. They would have for sure. They lost. Yeah, I would agree with that. Frank, it's been a fun pod, man. Lots of, lots of stuff to cover off. Uh, have a good week, and uh, we will talk to you on Friday. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.